This is the Fight Back Podcast, hosted by exercise scientist Georgia Berry. Here, you'll find a series of honest conversations about martial arts and mental health. My guests and I explore the statement that every martial artist has heard, martial arts saved me. How and why do combat sports save people? Listen to find out. Donna, everyone, I am here with Donna Lyon, who is an academic producer and the founder of Left Right Hook, which I'm going to get her to explain to everyone. Uh, Donna, first things first, I want to ask you in your experience, as well as in your experience working with survivors in the program, why do you think people would say boxing saved them? Hello. Uh, so <laughs> firstly, I um, probably um, would want to unpack the concept of being saved mm-hmm. and um, using something um, as uh, from a survivor's perspective. Um, I think it's uh, problematic when we uh, look at things to save us mm-hmm. because one, it infers um, that we should be saved and that we need to be saved. Um, meaning that we've got a problem and um, are defective in some way. Um, Rather, I think I like to look at it as um, a a recovery and a healing tool. Um, So I think that you're probably suggesting that's the same thing, but I just, you know, uh, I guess as a uh, probably an academic um, and somebody um, that with a lived experience of being a survivor, I'm quite conscious of the language that we use, um, particularly around the modalities that survivors um, you know, need and can choose to engage with. Um, and I think it's often that thing of like, I don't think anything's, um, I, I think no matter what, as a survivor, we uh, have to heal um, because we um, have often been very, very hurt um, and our sense of identity completely um, stripped away. And we um, often come to um uh, experiences with a lot of shame, a lot of disgust, a lot of guilt, and um, a lot of disconnection from our bodies and our spirit and our mind. And so people can heal and choose to do whatever they want to do. For me, I think that I was attracted to boxing because I um, was so disconnected from my body that actually the physical the physical nature of it, like almost the kind of aggressive nature of punching and hitting and connecting was exactly what I needed in order to start to entertain what it would be mean to connect with my body. I found things like yoga really triggering um, because often, you know, I was having to kind of sit in the emotional um, discomfort of my body um, and I was um, that was very, very difficult for me. Um, and actually, it was really traumatizing. So um, I, uh, I think I responded to very high energetic and high impact sports because it was like this kind of great release. And not only that, is it actually made me feel really, really strong. And so those are the kind of things that I think I like to impart as I work with other survivors. But I'm also really conscious that um, uh, that it might not work for them. Um, and uh, just because it's worked for me and can work for others, I think it's, um, yeah, just going back to that kind of notion of being saved, um, that it's a, it's something, it's a modality, it's a tool um, that I think, um, you know, it has profound 
uh, benefits and there's research that supports that. Um, but I'm not sure whether it should be uh, considered as the ultimate. You know, I think that anything that a survivor does is valid and necessary and I think that they should be able to choose and evolve at each and every moment of their recovery journey as they start to connect back to their sense of self. Yeah, absolutely. I love that you call me out on the language there. I'm so open to things like that. I think it's not just exclusive to martial arts, right? We hear people say, and if we use the same language, that people might say, like, oh, finding art saved me, music totally. saved me, you know, sports saved me, whatever it might be. But in my line of work, and I, I would assume yours too, we've become so interested in, well, what is it about martial arts that might be different, like you said, to some of those other modalities that is unique to it and extra special that might have an extra therapeutic tool or might not even necessarily be a therapeutic tool? In in the case of that same statement, martial arts saved me, it might be not necessarily from a trauma perspective but from a I was, you know, I really wanted or my body needed to or the coping mechanism I was using for something else or I was just drawn to alcohol, right? Mm. And then having structure was something that helped me pull away from that and it saved me from that or it saved me from a life of crime or it's, you know, there's so many different interpretations of that. But I love I love opening up the conversation in and around language. So mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think absolutely, like I think that like with anything to do with um, where your body um, has an opportunity to express itself. So, for example, you know, art and music um, is, is a way that we express uh, the, the hidden language of our um, of our mind and our body. And equally, I think that um, uh, sport through, you know, kick, uh, kickboxing or boxing um, is a similar thing. You know, it's, it's a kind of, it's a meditative dance. It, um, you know, you are constantly having to come back to uh, places of focusing, um, yet at the same time, you know, express. And, you know, you, you're always playing, like, um, with the, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, the... Um, paradox of um focus and control and yet ease and flow (laughs) and that's you know they're two really they're really hard concepts and that's what the artist often grapples with as well um you know how do you um you know apply technique at the same time do it in a way that's you know free and expressive and almost unconscious and where you're not overthinking it and I think that the same um, applies to the sports person um, where, they're, where they're always having to grapple with, like, how do I stay connected with myself yet? How do I kind of connect and focus and, you know, hit that punch or whatever it is, you know? And they're really difficult concepts. And, um, and again, it comes back down for me, you know, from the fragmentation of a survivor um, who's often so difficult, you know, I, I'm trying to uh, find pieces to, to bring into my life, like like constructs where I can start to rebuild and reimagine my identity um, that's safe and where I feel in control but at the same time where I'm not um, forcing it, like I'm not trying to be in control because, you know, to be in control is, you know, often a, quite an unhealthy coping mechanism. Yeah, it's such a dance, isn't it? And It, it is a dance. It relates so well to, to what researchers talk about with getting into flow, Right. When we when we said about how, you know, you want it to be flowing, but for something to have that attribute, it has to be engaging enough, which means you have to be able to focus on it because you could be able to just go from one technique to the next to the next to the next in some activity, say 
say shadow boxing or something like that, you might get into flow states, but you're going to have to really focus because your mind can wander. And then you bring in pad work and your mind can wander less because you're responding to another human being. And of course, sparring is probably the ultimate level of you are absolutely engaged in what is happening. Otherwise you get a little bop in the head. Well, otherwise you're going to get punched in the face and freeze, you know, and, um, and believe me, I've been there. Um, uh, But yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And I think also, too, that, you know, like it, we can romanticise those concepts of flow because it seems like, oh, it's just something that would be so easy. But actually, you know, there's a in within the, the notion of flow, there's notions of disruption and um, there's always disruption to the flow. And that also is, I, I think, when I work with survivors, that's something that I'm really conscious of is that, like, there's no expectation of what to to flow look like you know that just like somebody who could be flailing and maybe that's the best that they can do but maybe that notion of flailing is like the the, what they need to do to begin to actually um start to connect with their body and um and so I think yeah again I'm just conscious of like you know the language that we use and um you know I need to get to a state of flow you don't need to get to anything I think the point is that you know just to be in that space and to be willing to you know um uh kind of connect with a body that's been abused is huge and needs to be respected um and however that body chooses to move or can move um is amazing um, and and I think that's where the notion of flow can come. I, when I do left right hook, I don't. I, I try not to like. It's not about becoming boxers, you know. It's becoming boxers from a kind of philosophical point of view. What does a boxer mean? Well, a boxer means somebody that like gets up and they basically get in the ring, you know. But like how you get in the ring um, and how you fight. I'm actually, you know, like that's less of what we're interested in this space because I'm not training amateur fighters. You know, I'm not training fighters that are going to go on to be pro. That's a different conversation. You know, I'm, I'm uh, working with women who, um, uh, you know, are basically doing that every day. They, they, you know, like it's hard to get up. It's hard to get out of bed. It's a struggle to just sit with self. You know, people just want to die every day, you know, and um, that's the stuff that we're working with. And, um, you know, to me, that's, um, you know, they're tough women. Yeah, but I feel like I almost heard myself speaking then when you're talking about person over performance and, you know, focusing on the person's journey instead of the outcome being perfect technique because, again, what is perfect technique? And what I found really interesting, and I don't know if you've noticed this too, is that from a motor learning perspective, right, from, from learning the techniques, people actually seem to end up after a while in a similar place than they would have if you were giving them lots of, you know, no, you need to turn your fist more like this and your hand needs to start here and da-da-da-da-da-da, all of these little injunctions to how I think it should look like. And if you just let them explore their body and sit within where their power is, they tend to get there on their own, but they actually remember it better because they created the map instead of you. Have you found Uh, that too? uh, Yeah, and I think that you've beautifully articulated that. Yeah. Tell me more about how you got into boxing. I I think I was always secretly attracted to boxing. 
Um, and so, you know, I kind of did it in my early 20s, um, but more in that kind of, um, you know, gym-based environment, uh, but with some really good teachers, like professional kickboxer, although we were doing boxing and a bit of kickboxing as well. Um, but uh, nothing that I thought that I'd ever, you know, want to take, um, you know, further. And then I think it was probably in my early 30s um, and uh, I'm a, a recovered alcoholic. I um, haven't uh, drunk for about seven years and, um, and I think kind of, you know, through that, was a, a thing of just um again I think finding exercise as my um uh you know sense of um uh, one one aspect of my recovery journey which cut a long story short I ended up in a boxing gym and um I also at the same time felt really I, I had a lot of anger coming up which was I knew directly related to my abuse and I just thought oh you know I want to I want to I, I really want to fight, you know, like not necessarily take it, you know, I didn't know how far I wanted to take it, but I wanted to, to fight. And so I asked the, the owner of the gym, Tommy, I said, uh, you know, do you, do, would you ever do sparring? And he's like, oh, actually, I'm going to be doing it. So literally within like a couple of weeks, we were sparring. Within a few months, I was fighting. Um, you know, it was absolutely ridiculous and I was so underprepared and there was a sense of kind of uh, beauty in that naivety. And, um, you know, I remember the kind of first fight and um, uh, this woman, she was just like had a gold tooth and she, you know, just looked so tough and she was like 10 years older than me and, um, and you know, we just kind of like flailed. And anyway, it was a, um, a split decision but it ended up going to her. But it felt fantastic, right? It just felt like such a um, achievement, and I think that was a kind of like the the the, the bug um, uh, that got me. Because also, what happened was that I started. I realized quite quickly, just to go back a sec, is that I realized quite quickly that it wasn't about anger, because you know, all of a sudden I was out of breath, and so you know, you're not angry anymore. You're just like, you know, oh my gosh, I'm gassed, um, and so then it, that made me want to get fitter. Um, and then I realised too that what was happening is that a lot of my um, uh, dissociation and um, coping mechanisms that I'd relied on as a child to survive my abuse were really coming to the forefront when I was um, fighting. Um, and so, like, I'd freeze, which is not a good thing, you know, when you're in a ring. Like, it's, you know, and I remember trainers saying to me, like, Donna, I don't know what to do with you. Like, you know, like, you just freeze, and, you know, like other people like will like naturally kind of fight back. You just kind of like, and I'm like, yeah, I, I know I do. I know. And I can't seem to stop that. It's like a physiological response. But I think kind of getting myself boxed into this physiological response made me very determined to challenge that. And it's not that I wanted to get continually punched in the face. I, I didn't. But I think there was part of me that kind of went, oh, I want to learn how to fight back. You know, I want to learn how to to, to see whether I can almost um, uh, tame that beast, you know. Um, and I don't know whether or not I have successfully done that, Georgia. Um, I, I don't, I, I think that I still, you know, I think sometimes throwing myself into those early stages of kind of novice fighting was probably in, in some respects not the best path I should have, it's not the path I should have taken. Um, but I came back um to the space of like, well, why do I why do I like boxing? I like boxing because one, it makes me feel really empowered. 
Two, it makes me feel really strong. Three, I feel connected to my body. Um, and I think four, I have agency, you know. Um, and so I think those were the aspects of boxing that I've retained as I started to now go and develop uh, the boxing and take it into the creative arts realm with Left Right Hook. Which segues perfectly. Tell yeah. us about Left Right Hook. <laughs> So, so, so at that end of that kind of novice fighting, um, where I kept kind of losing, and I think I had like you know one, one win, and the rest, you know, was kind of like really beaten. Um, and it was like, okay, you know, like why am I doing this? You know, like that's great that I'm getting out there, but I don't. I knew deep down that I didn't want to be a, a pro or anything. I didn't want to take it to the to the thing. And so, it, so there was this kind of compulsion of like, well, I want to win. I really want to win, you know, because that that's affirming. But as soon as I took it into that competitive space, it became very different. So once I so I went, okay, maybe that's just not where I need to be. I don't need to be in this competitive space, you know. I'm nearly forty. I'm not trying to be this pro boxer like that wasn't why I was doing this why am I doing this the empowerment the agency etc and also because it had been such a liberating uh, aspect of my recovery particularly to do with my sexual abuse um, I wondered what it would be like to work with other women um, who were like me and because I have an arts background, I thought, well, I don't just want to do boxing because, again, like I'm not like I didn't feel good enough. Like I'm not like, you know, I, I don't, I'm not as skilled as you, for example, right? Like I'm not a, a, a professional. I don't have that kind of, you know, I'm, I feel like I'm a bit of a tryhard, right? Um, but I know how to like box. I can get in the ring and be brave. Okay, well, that's good. Um well, why don't I bring writing into this and mix these two modalities that are totally opposing and see what that's like so what if we basically sat around and we wrote about our trauma through the, using a prompt that was something to connect ourselves and how we actually hid our trauma and wrote about it completely free writing unconscious shared it and then basically put that aside and then I just taught them boxing and we basically then get up and punch and, and, you know, obviously learn foundational skills of boxing. But I think the, the ultimate point is it's like it's basically getting women to locate healthy aggression and just punch the shit out of the bag. And I think that, that, you know, sometimes I've had like in the early stages I was getting people like with bars and getting them to whack bags and just express expletives and just, just shout and scream at that bag as though it was their abuser. And um, that's what I do. That's left, right hook. That's amazing. <laughs> Let's dig more into that. What would yeah. be an example of a prompt that you would use? The prompt could be anything from um, uh, the body uh, to um, I turned and um, mm-hmm. I, ca- I connected. Um, it could be shame. Mm-hmm. It could be disgust. Like I will locate it in the trauma. So if you come to left, right hook, you're coming with the knowledge that like we're going to talk about your sexual abuse. Um, We don't want, it's not about details. It's not about people sharing their uh, stories, but it's the kind of stuff around it. It's the stuff that we're walking around with every day, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and, um, and people, and because we're, um, we're unconsciously writing um, there's, and it's only for like 10 or 15 minutes at a time. um, It's not necessarily like clear narrative. Mm-hmm. You know, it's quite fragmented, quite broken. Um, some of it can be poetry. Others can be just a dump, a brain dump. For others, it can be a bit like spoken word poetry. Um, 
yeah, and it's not about being a great writer or anything, but generally it's antagonistic um, and particularly pointed to people being able to safely express hidden trauma um, with a bunch of other survivors. What does it mean to unconsciously write? How, if someone's at home maybe thinking like, that sounds like a great tool, I want to mm. use more of that, how do you get yourself to just write without thinking? Is well, that it, what it's yeah, it, it, uh, that's, yeah, exactly. So it is a, no, it's a very common um, creative tool um, that, you know, has people have been doing for years and it's literally just opening up a, a journal and either you might use a stimulus, uh, so, you know, like the prompts that I, you know, have, have said or you just might start writing and it is just you just write and what happens is is if you get stuck and you can't think we have a little kind of thing which you have to keep writing which Mm -hmm. is what I really want to say is what I really want to say is what I really want to say is and you keep writing that out and sometimes you might have a page of that and then what happens is that it actually just starts to to unlock the next thought or whatever um so does that make sense that's quite um Yeah. yeah Um, yeah, and and I, I think what you'll find is that it's we we all know how to do that. Like it's not it's not like a magic thing or that you have to come from an arts background to do this. You could do this, uh, you know, tomorrow, right? Uh, you know, um, and you just write, and and it's quite fascinating. And I think people over time people start to go, oh, I didn't know that I was thinking and feeling that, you know, because survivors are often, particularly survivors, are often so disconnected from their selves, the way that they think and they feel. And so I wanted to make that explicit. And I think we do that through writing. Yeah, I I love the, what is it, what are we write? I just, I'm just uh, going to keep writing. Yeah, yeah, what I really want to say. Is, or what I really, really want to say. Yeah, yeah, and I think I took that from a kind of um, uh, another woman who's in the US that um, has a book called Writing Ourselves Whole, um, mm. and her name's Jen Cross, and I, I'm pretty sure I got I got it from her or somebody because you know it's lots of stuff online, yeah. um, and um, you know, and and I liked that, and I think that's just been something that we've, um, yeah, yeah, I love that because when I imagine, of course. Um, we're always relating things back to ourselves. So I'm even imagining, okay, if I was journaling and I just had to keep writing, I think I would get to a point, and I do, when I would just not have anything else to say. And that tends to happen quite quickly. Yes. You know, so to have a prompt to to keep. To kind of push past that. Yeah. And then, you know, obviously we give ourselves a time limit. Um, And it's, you know, absolutely amazing what comes out, you know. And, again, it's not about sort of uh, writing profound pieces um it's really about giving an expression just like the boxing is to um to the words and then it's about saying okay now that I've done that now then how do I give an expression to my body um uh, because I I think I see um that they're both very connected you know the, the mind and the body um and um that you know boxing in a sense addresses one aspect which is the you know the body but I think that for a survivor that we need to do both, you know, we really need to look at um, creative imaginal realms with how to deal with our trauma, but we also need to, um, you know, do stuff with our body as well, um, you know, that's physical and that's that connects and, and I think shifts that trauma. And I think for me, I, I, I guess I was curious about, well, what would it mean to actually pair those the two things together at the same time, you know? That would be really unique. And in a sense, it, it is. Um, and, um, uh, yeah. Yeah, I think 
it makes a lot of sense to go from journaling to boxing. And something that stuck with me recently is, so Mark and Mariah um, run a program called Trauma-Informed Weightlifting um, mm. as a subset of the Justice Research Institute in um, America. And so where trauma-sensitive yoga originally came from, there's now trauma-informed weightlifting. And they talk about an emotion needs a job. And so if you imagine journaling and bringing up anger, grief or all these heavy emotions and then just sitting with that, that's crushing. But if you give the emotion a job, right, the job of this anger is to fuel me hitting the bag, then all of a sudden you've transmuted that energy into something that can become really healing. You know, it's already healing bringing it up and then we're going to push it somewhere else. Exactly. And I'm loving the way that you are articulating that. And um, I'm going to, because that's exactly how I feel, you know, and and you've just said it so perfectly. And I think that um, that was the other thing is like when I, because journaling as well, and I think that's why coming back to the kind of saviour thing, there was lots of things that saved me. Right. You know, like I was a, a really um, uh, so deeply um, depressed and suicidal and, you know, damaged um, and, uh, you know, just thank, you know, God, really, that I um, uh, started to, you know, get sober and find positive, healthy tools. Boxing's one of those tools, um, just as uh, therapy has been and continues to be and lots of different things. Um, but writing as well, journaling was a tool but it was exactly what you said. What would happen is that because I it was so heavy and dark what I was dealing with, um, I um, would get very sleepy and I'd feel really depressed and really exhausted after writing. So then, so, so that's why the that giving that um, uh, uh, the emotion the job through the boxing is really important, I think, because it doesn't leave it there. It says that's that's great. Yeah, we know that that's there. But now, as you you know, as you were kind of saying, it's like let's let's actually move this. You know, and 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 again, it doesn't solve it. That perhaps that disgust, perhaps that anger is still there. You know, it might be there for years, and that's okay. But what it does is it starts to give a different voice to it, and it's the voice of the body. Um, yeah. So I think anything that's trauma informed in that way um, is is wonderful because it's always about giving um, that person that sense of agency to work with what what it is that they've got uh, within them. What is different in the boxing section of the class to a regular boxing session? Well, I think, you know, firstly is, you know, you are in a room full of other survivors And uh, that's really different from other boxing because, you know, generally you go to a gym and you kind of everyone puts on a bit of a show um, and, you know, you might be, you know, like I know for me uh, there was many times when I was at the gym and I was always like, you know, feeling memory or emotional and body disgust. But it's not like I could talk about it or be open about it. You know, it's just like I had to kind of suppress it. Um, And so I think this is a space that says, yeah, we probably know that you're going to be feeling that and we welcome that and, like, that's okay. So um, every things out on the table um and I think that's uh, that is really unique to it I think that's the foundational thing and then I think it's about like the fact that like we basically get people to like punch bags and try and um 
express the anger you know so we speak to that trauma to an extent like you can go crazy on that bag and someone's there like holding it another survivor and they're going come on you can do it honey like you know go harder you you know like give it to him or whatever you know um uh, maybe they're not saying that and maybe they are and and I think there's a permission that we have that the reason why people are punching and fighting is not just to get fit um it is because it's like a kind of fight for self you know, and it's like a fight to reclaim self. It's a fight to express self. It's a fight to release self. And I think that another survivor bearing witness to that is so powerful. Um, and it's really, really beautiful. Um, yeah. After hitting the bags, how do you deload as a group? Do you stretch? Do you have another chat about everything? Or? Yeah, we stretch and, and just sort of do check-ins. Um, and I think that, you know, I guess I feel that uh, those are parts of the the workshops that I want to start to create a better framework around because I think that there's um, I think that we've been doing that and I think it's been very effective um, we certainly make sure that people are grounded but I think that there's better ways that I could approach that I think as I develop um, my practice um, you know just to kind of maybe like really ensure that I've got kind of key um, points that I want to um you know, just make sure that people like kind of really can feel the ground and, you know, uh, and all of that. Um, whereas I think I kind of do that, but I'm not like really explicit about it yet. Um, but, you know, I guess I, I, I do always remind people that, you know, like, well, one, like things are going to come up. How do we practice self-care afterwards? Mm -hmm. And I think that's mm -hmm. something that we do um, every week. Um, I don't also try and expect that people will feel better after the class um, because for some people they do and other people they feel shit um, and I think that's okay um, and so I, I kind of try to normalise um, the variance of feelings that could be in the room um, and not to see it as um, so, for example, you might have five women that kind of go, oh, my God, I feel really great, da, 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 da. And then you've got, like, one that you just go, like, I reckon this is, you know, they've had some memory come up. And, you know, and I think I try to, without putting them on the spot, perhaps just speak to, you know, look, it's, you know, just a reminder that this isn't um, about fixing your trauma. You know, this is just about a practice. And sometimes that practice is going to feel um, like be good and sometimes it's not and it's just about the work and it's just showing up and there's no expectations about how you um, you know need to uh, move through this um, and that if you are feeling discomfort you know like what are the, what do you need to do and sometimes it might just be as simple as going to bed and holding a toy you know like it doesn't or just like having a shower you know like self-care again I think is a, a kind of wellness thing that gets um, romanticized where actually it's like it could self-care be having a shower um, and eating and going to bed that's self-care um, you know it doesn't have to be like going to the bath and going to get a massage it's like whatever like you know it's just keep it really really simple so those are some of the tools that I use. And as an academic, have you been curious about the effectiveness of the program as an adjunctive therapy or have you done any research around it yet? Yeah, so that's so I did this um, in a really grassroots way in 2019 um, with a bunch of women out at the gym that I first um, started fighting and training in. Um, and then I decided, um, so I did that a few, I think two times, and then I decided to take it into the research space because I work at the University of Melbourne. Um, and I um, so we got some a small grant funding for a creativity and wellness um, grant, looking at how basically you know 
creativity can enhance wellness. And I worked with a psychologist and a gender expert, um, and we measured the psychological benefits of the program um, of the women through psychometric data, along with um, an analysing the writing and seeing the, the journey and gradation of that to see what effect there was. Um, and we found that, um, so that was for the eight, one eight-week program, and this was in COVID, right? So this is 2020, last year. Yeah. Um, and within two weeks of doing the program, we had to go online because of COVID. And there's another aspect to this as well, Georgia. So um, we not only did the research, we we did a mixed methods research project. So Mm -hmm. basically we went, okay, we're not just going to do psychometric data because I actually think that there's something really quite hideous about that on its Mm -hmm. own for a survivor. It's very traumatising and makes them look like an object. Um, We're going to do a total creative arts research project. We're going to film this. We're going to make a documentary. We're going to publish a book of the writings. Um, you know, so it was like if so if you signed up for this, you knew that there was this multi-pronged approach of the research. So within two weeks, COVID hit, and I'm like, oh, what am I going to do? Like, I can't stop this. You know, like we have lit- like I have this incredible bunch of women. Um, I can't let them go. Because if I let them go, you know, this may never, like, we won't get this back. You know, people will go, ah, yeah, okay, that, that didn't work out. You know? So um, we moved it online and we basically um, decided to do, um, we ran it three times last year. Um, but we only measured the effectiveness of the one eight-week program, which is further grant. In short, um, there was a reduction in PTSD. There was a reduction in depression, a uh, reduction in stress. That was for those that were complicit, meaning that the people that turned up every week. Mm-hmm. If you didn't turn up every week, uh, you uh, didn't get the effects. Um, and that makes sense because you are bringing up trauma and if you're not really working through it in a kind of committed you know, why, and I don't mean that as a judgment to anyone that wasn't able to to, to go because these things happen, um, then, you know, you're kind of also sitting with that trauma um, and it doesn't necessarily move it along in the same capacity um, than if you did the program. Um, yeah, so that's, um, so it's, um, you know, certainly got research um, uh, credentials and um, we uh, have been filming again um, and we also um, just found out that we um uh, have a publisher for our book. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, and so, um, you know, I'm working with the the survivors at the moment about how we curate that book. And I think the project has very much been as much as possible um, a co-creation. Um, you know, it's been a participatory project where I've really tried to make sure that the survivors, in, you know, everyone in the group is, um, you know, they can leave any time. They don't have to submit their writings you know it's like they've got as much agency as possible at every time granted there's the documentary aspect and at one point there will be a a point where we go you know okay you can't pull out now because you know it's edited um but we're not there yet so um yeah do you have a timeline on when it'll be available to view? Yeah, I think the documentary might take this year. Um, yep. You know, we're sort of piecing it together. Um, and uh, I think I feel very nervous about that. I hate, I've on camera as well, I hate it. Um, I um, have a lot of, uh, like the other 
survivors, you know, we just feel a lot of disgust and shame and it's very hard to put yourself out there in this way. Um, but I think we're kind of on a journey together um, and I hope, um, you know, I do believe that um, uh, that we need to hear uh, stories from survivors. It was very important for me um, when I uh, started to grapple with uh, the fact that I'd been abused. Um, you know, it's so important to hear from other people who had been through it and were able to kind of find a way through life and live life. You know, I think that's what I was ultimately really always searching for. It's like, but am I going to survive? You know, am I going to get through this? Like, am I going to be able to work? Am I going to be able to, you know, have a job? You know, because it was uh, just, I just felt that, you know, like I was going to go insane. Um, and I think that actually, you know, that is often at the, the base of how a survivor can feel. But the truth is, you know, people can live um, a life and they do. You know, we've, we, we turn up every week and just because we talk about our trauma and it's with us every day, it doesn't mean that, like, you know, we don't hold down jobs. We don't have, relate, you know, like we have relationships, all of those kind of things. And what's next for the program? I think what's next is that, you know, I want to um, develop it into something that I can roll out, um, you know, on a, on a wider scale. Um, and so it will be seeking, um, you know, funding to kind of do a, a bigger pilot project. And that's 2021 um, to essentially work with, um, you know, other partners and stakeholders. Um, and, um, and I think, too, that I'd like to um, develop more of that um, trauma-informed framework similar to what you've got with the Fight That Project um, where that's just, I guess, a bit more explicitly stated um, and that there's a deeper framework around that. So for me, that's about uh, attracting, uh, making sure that I've got the right partners to help me uh, do that. Well, I think if you are interested in coming along to the conference that we're going to host yes. in June this year, then that will be a really great place to start, which I don't know if I've spoken about on air. So perhaps there are practitioners out there who are listening, who feel that they could really contribute something to this conversation, which I would really love to have you. So just to quickly summarise, we've got researchers and practitioners from the States, from Canada, from England, from Norway. Uh, I'm definitely going to miss some countries, Australia, uh, around the world essentially who are running. It's funny because I say similar programs, but I see so many differences in the programs and I think it's so beautiful how everybody interprets this idea of teaching martial arts in a more trauma-sensitive way so differently. And that's what I am so inspired to dig into more is, you know, this is the way that we're running the program here. This is how we're running the program here. What are all the similarities between the programs? What are the differences? And then we're going to get together to talk about a master document which will compare all of the programs and say, based on what you've all told me, this is what it seems like everyone's doing. Do you all agree? And hopefully we'll walk away with a really clear sense of this is how we're going to define trauma-informed. Mm -hmm. This is how we're defining trauma. This is how we're defining what the room needs to look like. This is how we teach. This is how we use language. You know, this is how we use body language, all these different facets of teaching a trauma-informed martial arts program so that we can say, you know, not only is my program backed by my own pilot study, which a lot of these are, not only is it backed by further studies, which some of them are, but it's also backed by other people around the world who are doing similar things, but with different gendered groups, different um, socioeconomic groups, different cultural groups, and then we can see across the board this is 
this is the guts of it, right? This is what this is what it needs to be. And I think from there, you know, I'm just so excited that you, Donna, and everyone is going to be a part of this just exploding, right? Trauma from yoga exploded. And it's not for everyone. It can be triggering for people. It's so scary to sit with yourself. Sometimes you need an outlet. And I think, you know, you and the other practitioners are going to be a part of making making this a big thing and more, much more accessible to, to many more people around the world. So hopefully you'll be able to come along to that. And anyone listening, if you're interested in coming along to that, get in contact with me and talk about what program that you're running or what research that you've done and how you think you could contribute to the conversation. And I'd love to have you. Thank you so much. It sounds awesome. And yes, I will definitely be there. Um, I just say uh, one thing that we also did from the study was that we published a yeah. journal journal article as well. So um, yeah, that's um, that's been really great for the for the project too. Can we put the link to that? Yeah, I'll, I'll send you. Yeah, I'll send you the link. Fantastic. That's so great. And to women who are thinking, you know, I'm in Footscray or I could get to somewhere close to where Donna runs the program, how do they get in contact with you and how do they get started? Yeah, so I'll put um, the Facebook link um, to, for you so you can put it in the show notes and mm-hmm. then people can contact me and um, then we will. Uh, I'll let them know when the, the next program is running. Do you have any idea yeah. about when that's going to be? Look, I, I'm sounding I probably uh, not doing great marketing here. In the, you know, um, no, I don't. I'll be really honest. I don't know what it's going to be. And that's partly because um, I think at the moment I just want to wrap up the book with the women and make sure that that aspect of the project of Left Right Hook um, is, um, uh, you know, really uh, tied up in a sense before we I move into the next uh, lot of programming with um, a new cohort of women. Because um, when when I do the program, program that program again we're not going to be doing things like filming it etc um so it's a, a really different kind of um it's a really different project yeah and I think that's a form of modeling self-care right we would yeah. be quite hypocritical to come out and say you know I'm going to run myself ragged trying to do yeah. too many things at once not looking after myself but come and please make sure you do look after your self-care right? you have to model that as well yeah. and so I think that's really yes that's so true yeah, exactly. Like I'm very much um, pretty uh, open about the fact that, you know, I'm in the room, um, you know, certainly as the facilitator of, of the um, the writing and the boxing, but um, I participate in the writing um, and kind of pretty much lay myself on the line as well and, um, and that I'm still on my own journey of, you know, of being a survivor and claiming and reclaiming my story. Yeah, yeah. it must be so powerful for everybody in the room. Just imagine. Yeah, I, I think it is, and I think that's why the project works because, um, you know, even though sometimes it's difficult to, you know, probably um, walk, ha- like walk so closely uh, alongside the, the participants, um, I think there is um, a, a deeper trust there because I think that people um, who have uh, survived sexual abuse like do understand each other um, in a greater way. You know, I'm not trying to position myself as a therapist or, um, uh, yeah, I, I guess, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, even if someone's listening to this and thinking that you're in some country that doesn't have programs like this and you want to get involved, you don't have trauma. This is something that I grappled with a lot. I was like, I don't have a trauma story. How can I relate? And I think we live we don't live in a world, but there is so it's so common in martial arts that it's very coach student, right? Mm-hmm. I say you do, and I say, and sometimes I'm not even doing with you, right? I'm just speaking words at you, giving instructions. 
when I teach, when I facilitate. I don't even say mm. teach because I mm. do everything. It's like meditation for me. I get so much out of facilitating classes because I'm involved in every part of what I'm doing. I'm just speaking out loud to what I'm doing as I go through it. And you can choose if you want to copy me or do your own thing or kind of follow along with my guidance. And I think that dynamic is so different to me standing out here and say, left, right hook, left, Mm. right hook. Mm. And doing nothing, especially through Zoom, right? You're teaching through Zoom. You could easily just sit at your computer and in your trackies or, I mean, you could box in your trackies, but, you know, not in your workout gear, just sitting there telling people what to do. But if you actually get up and get involved with people, then, yeah. you know, they, they feel that. That's different too. Yeah, I agree. How can people get in contact with you if they want to follow you on social media, et cetera? So they, um, I think the best thing to do is for me to put the Facebook link in the show notes of Left cool. Right Hook and people can message me directly. Um, I'm always up for a chat. Uh, I can always meet people for a coffee as well. And, um, yeah, and I'll put the, the site there. Fantastic. I'm so excited for people to get in contact with you more. I'm looking forward to reading the journal article because I haven't read it yet and having you be a part of the conference for Trauma Informed Martial Arts. Thanks so much, Georgia. I absolutely uh, huge respect for what you're doing and, um, yeah, it's great to, to connect. Have a great day. Yeah, you too. Have you thought of something to be grateful for today? What was it? I'm grateful for the amazing women that train with me at the Fight Back Project. I'm grateful for Nari and the beautiful song Shape Me heard at the beginning and end of every episode. And I'm grateful for you for listening to this show and helping martial arts keep saving lives. So thank you from the bottom of my heart. If you'd like to leave me a review to help more people find the show, that's a bonus. You need to know that nobody shapes me but me. Don't gotta tell you what my name is, I don't gotta explain it. Walk in the room, hear a boom erupting like I'm famous. I'm here shedding shells, I'm shameless. I fear nothing, no complacence. Walk to many tight ropes with no hope, so I became this poster. They hold over all the heads of trauma holders. You don't need to know my history, I move boulders. Atlas shrug, cause I lifted the weight above his shoulders. No pretense of defense, move first like chess soldiers. This goes deeper than empowerment, cause... I'm the one that power it. Physical meets mental challenge me to keep devouring. If I can't change the scenery, at least I change perspectives. No longer isolated, but elevated and selective. Darkest places become beautiful spaces. This is where rage meets patience. Meets power meets gracious. Meets we're so glad you came in. The feeling is contagious. When you the walking impact of intended bad intentions. When you the manifest enough collecting all they tensions. You the soul and body hold it all and still remember. But I'm a work in progress, testament to all contenders. Forgot what it was like to have control over self. Forgot what it was like to be the one in charge. Forgot in my reflection I could see all my wealth. Forgot that with my bare hands I break all these bars, barriers and obstacles. They can't cage me. They can't chronicle all my experiences and reduce them to appearances when i was truly beaten gave myself clearances to fall down mess up and get myself back up i'm not looking for clovers because i don't believe in luck damn you were badass i heard them say it clearly why thank you very much i know now i'm not weary of what's next for me because i expect to see 
like I was planted, watered, fed, and bloomed to be the positivity and accountability. Knowing they won't step if I'm the agent of my agency. I think I found my voice again, huh? I think I found my voice again, huh? I'm not sorry, I'm not sorry, you're the end where I begin. Boundaries, I know them well. Take a breath and meditate. Who is she? I know her well. Now I get to open gates. One, two, one, two. I don't need your permission. And if you get uncomfortable, then use your intuition to know that I won't stay where respect is ever missing. And everything I do, that's me making decisions. It's truly underrated, the value of self-worth. Forgot that I was rich from the moment of my birth. A penny for my thoughts. No, really, you can't afford it. You cannot buy my story, rewrite it, or record it. You cannot buy my story, rewrite it, or record it, huh?